Hello there, this is Benny. And this is Kyle. And you're listening to The Doctor's Watcher. The Greek history, or is it mythology, podcast about every episode of Doctor Who. Yeah, um, I'm going to blame the writers for that one. Uh, <laughs> I, think, I think for some people they think about Greek history and they just picture Greek mythology. Yeah, I mean, I think there is at least a, a bit of overlap like there are probably some historical figures that have become some myth mythical stories about. That's nice of you, Kyle. You're, you're a generous man. <laughs> and you know, clearly, clearly, Zeus existed because he was the doctor. I, 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 I follow. I, I'm not sure. I follow that logic. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, how you been, Kyle? I'm doing all right. I have recently been hard at work constructing a fortress for dwarves. Oh, yeah? And uh, what are you building inside this fortress of dwarves? So my dwarves, they seem to be obsessed with logic and mathematics. So I, I've been creating a, an adding machine for them. It's a fluid-based adding machine. It runs on water. so oh, That's exciting. Yeah, like all the actual logic and circuitry and calculation is powered by water, which is pretty cool. So, uh, so Kyle, um, what, what's the latest news about this, uh, this logic machine? The dwarves had scheduled a grand showing <laughs> of the logic machine. They uh -huh. were going to add a couple numbers together, and it was going to be the first time any dwarf had performed addition. And <laughs> they, they built the whole machine, they constructed it all, and wired up all the logic circuitry. And first, they were, they were filling the reservoir, because you, know, you need to have a lot of water to run a water-based adding machine. Mm -hmm. And... First, the reservoir started overflowing, and <laughs> there were there were parts of the water pressure system that that had holes in it that should not have had holes. So <laughs> we had to have a minor emergency and shut the water off and drain the system and reroute some stuff and dig some new stuff and rethink some of the logic gates and rebuilt a large portion of the adding machine and refilled it all with water, got it all ready for the big show they were going to have. And they went to go pull the levers to cause addition to happen. And nothing happened because they had wired most of the internal circuitry, but not the circuitry to actually like put any input into the machine. Oh, those dwarves. So, so close yet so far. Yep. And now they're going to have to drain the whole system again and <laughs> do some more work on it and then refill it and, you know, hopefully schedule a new show and do some, do some math. Yeah, yeah. Well, I hope the dwarves are not too disappointed and I hope that the work is part of the fun. Um <laughs> Because, yeah, that sounds, that sounds like it's potentially frustrating to a dwarf. Uh, I, think, I think they can deal with it. Okay. 
Yeah, it's going to take some, you know, some clever dwarven engineering to safely drain the system in order to yes. finish up the work. So, yes. Cool. Well, I I wish I wish the dwarves all the best. <laughs> cool. Well, um I think uh, we've got an episode for today ready to go and I'm eagerly anticipating um hearing about the Doctor Who which you have watched. Yeah, so this is the seventh episode of the third season, Small Profit, Quick Return. Yes, and as we heard last time, Profit spelled P-R-O-P-H-E-T. Uh, I, I I still feel a little, little disappointed that they couldn't name all the episodes in the serial <laughs> uh, punny names, because apparently the writer had originally wanted to do it that way. But I, I do enjoy the one that we got. yeah. Well, there is at least one pretty good episode title coming up later in the serial. Excellent. That Yeah, that I think we're both going to like. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so before we get into the Cliff Dingler, I believe you had a question for me. Oh, yeah, I did. Thank you, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> now that you mention it. So, Kyle, how did you watch it? So this episode I watched via a loose canon reconstruction, as mm. I did last time, I think. I actually found the former official like website of loose canon online. It was a bit hard to find because the actual website itself isn't around anymore, but I found it on archive.org. Huh. You can find it if you... Go to that website and you search for recons.com and on the calendar you go to the June 2014 and look at that version of the page. There's a lot of interesting information about the reconstructions there. As for the actual reconstructions themselves, you know, they do exist in kind of a legal gray area. Mm. So the Doctor's Watcher cannot officially condone the easiest way of watching them. So we cannot officially recommend that you go to dailymotion.com slash David Agnew. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we cannot officially put a link in our show notes. <laughs> Maybe we will. I mean, it's, it's pretty easy to find. You don't, yeah. you don't actually need a link in the show notes, listeners. <laughs> But there's a, another way to watch classic Doctor Who in general. You're probably not going to see any missing episodes this way. But thanks to listener Chris for sharing this little nugget of wisdom with us. If you have a TV with the Samsung Smart TV Plus service, they apparently have an entire channel dedicated to classic Doctor Who. I huh. believe it's channel 1428. My TV is not smart at all, so I don't know anything <laughs> about that stuff. But mm -hmm. if you want to watch like just some classic Doctor Who on TV, that might be a good option for you. That's awesome. Well, I, I don't have a Samsung smart TV either, but uh, yeah, 
I mean, I, I guess it's just nice to know that there's a channel out there like that, a channel dedicated entirely to classic Doctor Who. Yeah, I thought that was kind of neat. As far as I understand, you can, you know, just tune into it anytime and see some classic Doctor Who. Awesome. And there's also a podcast dedicated entirely <laughs> to classic Doctor Who, and you can tune in to us every two weeks and listen to, listen to us talk about a classic Doctor Who. Well, will you remind us of the Cliff Dangler? Yes, let's talk about a classic Doctor Who. Um, so we are in, as as you uh, alluded to earlier, uh, we are in classical Greece. We are in, I guess, mythological Greece uh, in the middle of the Trojan War. So Achilles killed Hector. Um, and uh, oh, and then so the Greeks think that the Doctor is Zeus uh, again, as, as Kyle alluded to earlier, and he helped because uh, it's, it's been a little bit since, uh, since we last <laughs> recorded. Um, so yeah, so the the ancient Greeks. So you know, you've got uh, Agamemnon and Menelaus and those guys. They think that uh, the Doctor is Zeus. They think that Stephen. Maybe Apollo um, and Vicky, meanwhile, has disappeared along with the TARDIS, um, which we know is bad news because if the TARDIS leaves, it can't come back. Uh, it right. can't come back to the same time and space. So, yeah, that's uh, there's there's a lot of a few cliffs I think that we're dangling from right now uh, <laughs> through uh, various various amounts of dangliness, but. I think that's, oh, and uh, yeah, so the doctor was going to do some sort of, he promised some sort of a, a ritual or, or something to to the Greeks. He was going to show them some sort of proof of his power at his temple, which was going to be the TARDIS. But with no, with no TARDIS in sight, he may have to come up with a backup plan. I don't know. We'll right. And the, the ritual that he was going to perform was... A sacrifice of Stephen, who they've oh, captured, right. and they think he's like a, a Trojan spy or something. Okay, I guess they don't think he's Apollo anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they, yeah, I had forgot, lost track of what they think about him when, but they're definitely, they want to sacrifice him now. Okay, okay, cool. And yeah, in the previous episode, you know, the TARDIS had been left just kind of out in the fields, and we had seen presumably some trojans come up and leave like a disc sort of thingy like a giant horse medallion at the base of the tardis and this episode basically picks up by showing us that giant horse medallion just out in the field you know on its own with no tardis I mean, I guess, you know, they couldn't just show a field and then a field with, or a field with a TARDIS in it and then a field with no TARDIS in it. And then be like, uh-huh. I guess that's where the TARDIS was. This could be any <laughs> field. You know, maybe move the camera around a bit, make sure we're not missing it. Right. <laughs> the medallion is like, no, no, this, this is where it was. Right. This is the spot. Yeah. Agamemnon and Odysseus, we cut back to the Greeks and they want the doctor to go ahead and kill Stephen to prove that he's Zeus. Yeah. And call down some lightning to, to strike Stephen down. That's what we're here for. <laughs> uh-huh. But the doctor says that the sacrifice can only be done in his temple, which, as you mentioned, is the TARDIS. Odysseus is starting to get pretty pissed and annoyed. You know, he wants to see some blood, basically. Let's get this done. 
Mm, yes, Odysseus, well well known for his bloodlust. Uh-huh. <laughs> I guess he did. He did kill a lot of people. I mean, he's known for being kind of clever, but he he also yeah definitely <laughs> definitely killed folks. But the doctor decides to to reveal that he is not actually Zeus, and <laughs> <Sure>. uh-huh. <laughs> he admits this. He also tells them that Stephen is actually his friend. And that neither of the two of them are Trojans. Well, I think I think they might believe two out of three of those things, um, <laughs> uh-huh. having no, no stake in those games. Yeah, Agamemnon basically just has his guards seize them and take them away to be questioned. Okay, well, that's better than killing them on the spot. Yeah, it seemed like a pretty pretty reasonable reaction to me. Yeah. We cut to the TARDIS exterior which is apparently in downtown Troy. Oh, didn't go far. Paris has returned to Troy, and his father, King Priam, asks him if he killed Achilles, which, of course, he didn't. Yeah. Priam basically starts ripping into him for his lack of courage and whatnot, until he notices the TARDIS and starts asking about it, and Paris says that he captured it as a prize from the Greeks. So they basically just like picked it up and moved it? Yeah, basically. Oh, so so I, I thought like we were never in Polo style. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I thought it was going to be how the, the TARDIS can't leave and come back in the same time space. But I guess in our cliff dangler, in my defense, I think we didn't know that the Trojans had moved it. Yeah, all, so, we, all we knew is that it was gone. Yeah. So yeah, Paris says that he captured it. He wants to put it in the temple, but the high priestess, who is Paris's sister Cassandra, absolutely refuses. She, you know, she doesn't want this Greek trash in their temple, basically. <laughs> she and King Priam both think that the Greeks probably allowed him to, like, capture this prize. Mm-hmm. What, what, what an interesting ploy for the Greeks to do. <laughs> uh-huh. And Cassandra... And every, every, everyone knows the old, the old saying, you know, beware of Greeks bearing blue police boxes. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh, thank you. Thank you for the laugh, Kyle. Thank you. <laughs> and Cassandra starts telling everybody about this dream that she just had last night. You know, some apparently prophetic dream about getting a gift from the Greeks and then a bunch of Greek soldiers burst out of it after it's brought into Troy. And Paris is just like, dude, look at this fucking thing. You could barely fit two soldiers in there. But (laughs) Cassandra is a bit smarter than Paris. Fool! One soldier could unbar the gate and so admit an army. It's exactly the sort of scheme Odysseus would think of. Uh, meanwhile, Odysseus is like, well, I wish I would have thought of something smart. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. So basically, Cassandra tells Paris to go get some branches and sacrificial oil and some fire, and they'll just make a burnt offering of it. And, yeah, you know, if it happens to have a Greek soldier or two inside of it, all the better. <laughs> nice. Meanwhile, inside the TARDIS, Vicky is watching and listening to this conversation on the scanner, and 
she's starting to get pretty worried. You mm-hmm. know, as, yeah, understandable. As one <laughs> might, if the TARDIS is going to be burned. Mm-hmm. So she heads to the wardrobe room and starts looking for something to wear. According to the loose cannon action subtitles, she finds a crinoline dress, a space suit, and a 1920s flapper dress. Nice. But, but we don't actually get to see any of that. Doctor, why, why do you have these things? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe they were Susans, some of them. Yeah, who knows? Yeah. I mean, you know, if the doctor likes to put on a dress now and then, we're not going to judge. That's, you know, that's <laughs> his, his decision. Uh-huh. I was about to say, like, he needs to fit into different time periods, but he actually doesn't give a shit about that. He just wears whatever <laughs> he wants. Yeah. Ideally a cloak. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess people who travel with him try to fit into different time periods. Yeah. We cut back to the doctor and Stephen... And apparently the two of them have told the actual truth to Odysseus about who they are and where they're from. Stephen is wrapping it up by saying that really it's only due to an accidental miscalculation by the doctor that they're here in this time period at all. But the doctor says that he'd hardly call it a miscalculation. Well, I think with all eternity to choose from, I did rather well to get us back to Earth. (laughs) Uh, don't ever change doctor and we love you just the way you are Uh i mean you know do do feel free to change like 14 or 15 more times but um, (laughs) i guess that's inevitable but we we do love him odysseus seems to believe their story and you know he basically says that it's like too wild of a story they never would have dared to tell the story if it wasn't true yeah, he, he, he loved that story so much he wants to leave it uh, a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Uh-huh. If, if only that had been invented in this time period, he would do so right now. <laughs> but he, he points at five stars in the sky and says, I name this constellation Review of Podcast. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God, yes. Sorry. Oh, my gods, I should say. <laughs> So he's releasing, he believes them and he decides to release them, but he's not like just unconditionally releasing them. That seems fair. He's giving them two days to, and you know, they're basically free during these two days to use their supernatural knowledge to come up with some scheme that the Greeks can use to capture Troy. Because, of course, they've had Troy under siege for like 10 years now. Everyone's getting pretty tired of it. They want this to be over with. Mm-hmm. And are you uh, planning on taking credit for that plan there, Odysseus? <laughs> Probably. I think that's the idea. Yeah, seems that way. Yeah. Over in Troy, they've piled up a pretty nice pile of branches all around the TARDIS. And they are pouring sacrificial oil over the branches. They're preparing to light it when Paris is like, oh, you know, maybe we should like check with the gods and make sure they actually want this as a sacrifice. If it actually does contain Greek treachery, then like maybe it would be really insulting to offer it to them. Huh. 
I mean, you think that the gods would either be like, yeah, that's cool, or just kind of like, meh. But yeah, like, you know, sometimes you, you appreciate the gesture, even if the gift itself is just kind of like whatever. But uh-huh. uh, I guess the Greek gods were, were known for being fairly petty and easily offended. So, uh, well, these yeah, are, maybe ch- check these are for like the Trojan like, gods. Oh, the tro- are, do, the, do the Trojans have different gods than the Greeks, though? Because it seems like. These ones, they basically, I don't know how accurate or historical this is, but these Trojans worship like the god of horses, basically. Okay, maybe that was the thing. Um, I thought that the horse thing was a Poseidon type deal, but you know what? It's been a while since I looked into it, so who who am I to argue with Doctor Who? (laughs) Cassandra is pretty annoyed at like the delay of the sacrifice and the suggestion to like check in with the gods first but she starts to pray anyway oh hear me you horses of the heavens who gallop with our destiny if you would accept this gift let us see a sign show us your will i pray you for we are merely mortal and need your guidance we are nearly mortal and need your guidance sounds sounds pretty cool yeah Uh, that, that that seems like, you know, let me live. <laughs> As she finishes her prayer, the doors of the TARDIS open and Vicky steps out. And, you know, she's wearing, she wearing this face suit. Yeah. <laughs> really? For real? <laughs> no, she's wearing this like nice kind of like off the shoulder Greek style dress. And oh, okay. <laughs> she's got this like fancy hairstyle with a bunch of curls and shit. I thought she was going to be like, what, what, what's the line in Back to the Future where it's like, I'm, I'm Darth Vader from the planet Vulcan or something. <laughs> uh-huh. yeah, it's worth a shot. <laughs> You're listening to The Doctor's Watcher. If you enjoy our show, please leave us a five-star review and tell a friend. We appreciate you, listener. You can reach us by tweeting at Dr. Watcher or emailing thedoctorswatcher at gmail.com. And now, back to the episode. They ask her who she is, and she's just like, I'm nobody of any importance. I'm just someone from the future. <laughs> Oh, that's a cool line. You you can, you uh-huh. can put that like in your Twitter bio or you know your social media <laughs> bio. Uh, well, I'm I'm sure Twitter doesn't exist, and even if it seems to be hanging on now, there's no way it's made it into Vicky's time. Yeah, she kind of like repeats herself a few times, or you know, like clarifies or whatever as they try to work out if she's a goddess or a sorceress or what. She's like, sure, all, all of the above. <laughs> when someone asks you if you're a god, you say yes. Cassandra seems really threatened by her because, you know, as the high priestess and the oracle, basically, Cassandra's main job is prophecy. So she really doesn't want some other person with future knowledge around to take her position. <laughs> yeah, man, that, that, that's job security. <laughs> uh-huh. Priam basically tells everybody to chill. He says that, like, nobody's going to die until he says so. 
you know, Cassandra is like wanting to to immediately kill Vicky for being a sorceress. I mean, is there is there something wrong with being a sorceress uh, other than threatening her her livelihood? <laughs> uh, not that I could really tell. She didn't go into too much detail. So yeah, he says no one's gonna die until he says so, and you know that's not yet. He asks what her name is, and she tells him, and he's like, "Dick, that's a very outlandish name." He basically says that they can't call her that, so he'll think of a new name for her. And how does Cressida sound? Okay, <laughs> she's basically just like, "Uh, okay." Like that, and, that is nothing like my original name, uh-huh. and but sure. He takes her into the palace to get some food. Paris is also hungry, but apparently he doesn't get to come along. Very good idea. I've not eaten. You get back to the war. If you've not killed Achilles by nightfall, I shall be seriously displeased. <laughs> and, and don't just kill half an Achilles and put the rest <laughs> under the bed. I'll know. <laughs> you you finish your chores, young man. <laughs> but Dad, you said I could play Xbox. Not until you've killed Achilles. You said I could play Kai Box. <laughs> <laughs> Cassandra warns King Priam that Vicky is going to bring, or sorry, that Cressida is going to bring <laughs> doom, death, and disaster. But Priam, kind of in an aside to Vicky, is just like, eh, don't mind her. She always says that. Yeah, no one ever seems to listen to Cassandra. We get a quick shot after this showing us that Odysseus's spy, Cyclops, from the previous episode, has been watching this whole thing happen. That does seem like a cruel name to uh, give to someone with an eye patch. Mm hmm. Stephen and the doctor are trying to figure out what plan they should suggest to the Greeks for taking over Troy. Stephen jumps straight to the obvious. He thinks that the doctor should go ahead and suggest the Trojan horse idea. But the doctor thinks he can do something better, (laughs) come up with something more (laughs) clever. The doctor thinks that probably the whole Trojan horse thing was just made up by Homer and never really happened. Yeah, like like the rest of this was definitely true, but the Trojan horse part was made up. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, totally. Odysseus shows up and... The doctor tells him that he'd better save Vicky when they take Troy, but Odysseus isn't really sure about this. I don't know what you expect me to do about it. When we enter Troy, I can't stop every woman and ask her if she's a friend of yours. It wouldn't be practical. You, you could ask a couple, you know. Yeah, just ask around a bit. Maybe somebody knows something. Just mouse over them and uh, <laughs> see which ones are named like, you know, servant, uh-huh. townsperson. And uh, if one of them is named Vicky and or Cressida, <laughs> <laughs> click on that one. Stephen volunteers to go to Troy to rescue Vicky himself. He basically says that he's no use here. The doctor can definitely like come up with a good plan without Stephen's help. So well, that, that's that's brave of him. I appreciate him offering. We yeah. We, we get we get a little sticky crumb there. Uh, <laughs> uh-huh. I, I I sometimes feel like naming this ship Sticky is uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> well, well. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> 
so he basically asks for a Greek soldier uniform because his his intention is for the Trojans to take him as a prisoner of war. Odysseus kind of looks him up and down and he's like, all right, cool, cool. You're about the same size as my friend Diomede, who died last week. You can wear his uniform. Oh, man. <laughs> R- ripped to Diomede. Uh-huh. The doctor, meanwhile, has kind of been thinking. He's not paying too much attention to this conversation. He's just been off thinking, and then he's like, Have you uh, thought of challenging? And Odysseus is like, It's been done. What we want is something revolutionary. Yeah, plus tunneling is something that, you know, you need to have very specific circumstances to do. You need to have very uh, specialized units who are trained in it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Anyway, yeah. I think the horse still seems like a, <laughs> a worthy option, but we'll see. Uh-huh. Yeah, the doctor's not settling on horse yet. He moves off of tunneling and starts thinking about flying machines. Of course, you know, that uh, that seems like the next logical <laughs> right. progression. You don't want to go under the wall, how about over it? Yeah, well, at least he didn't try to do the D&D party thing of, like, climbing into the catapult. <laughs> uh-huh. It's fine, I'll, I'll just, you know, cast Featherfall. <laughs> <laughs> My armor can take a lot, really. <laughs> What if I just aim at something soft? <laughs> I can I can take a five foot step, you know, in the middle of my turn. So I'll uh, I'll just five foot step in the direction of the wall as I fly over it. <laughs> <laughs> Out on the plains, Paris is shouting for Achilles until he realizes that he might actually be heard. So he modulates his shouts of challenge to whispers of challenge, basically. Uh, I, I dig it. It's like, you know, when, uh, when it's your job to like, at, when you're at work or something and you have to, to, to help a customer. And so, you're like, <laughs> you know, if anyone needs help, but then you're like, oh, no, if anyone, uh-huh. if anyone needs help, <laughs> let me know. <laughs> Achilles! Achilles! Come out and fight, you jackal! Paris, prince of Troy, brother of Hector, seeks revenge. Do you not dare to face me? Nope, guess he's not here. I tried. All right. <laughs> Time to go back. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Dad. I, I, I really tried to kill him. I called him a jackal. I mean, that seemed like it was going to work. I don't know. Uh-huh. Steven shows up. He's like, I'll face you. Nice. And, yeah, person of action. Paris is like, dude, I don't want to kill you. Just Achilles. Like, just let's let's be chill. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I have one very specific Greek that I want to fight. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, man, all right, come on. Like, seriously, my dad told me I have to do this. Like, <laughs> Stephen's like, dude, you're Trojan and I'm Greek. Of course you want to kill me. <laughs> Paris, like, keeps trying to get out of it, but Stephen keeps pushing him until he finally gives in. The two of them draw swords and they start to fight. The fight 
goes on for a little bit until Stephen pretends to stumble and fall and he drops his sword. Paris is kind of like psyching himself up to kill Stephen. <laughs> and Stephen's like, wouldn't you rather capture me? <laughs> I don't know, I'm just spitballing here, just tossing uh-huh. out ideas. If you want to contribute to, you know, we can just bounce it back and forth. But I'm thinking, I'm thinking capture, <laughs> I'm maybe thinking capture prisoner. <laughs> yeah, Stephen actually just says, Are you? I'm your prisoner. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Paris tells him that, like, that sort of thing is usually not really done and, like, wouldn't he rather die than be taken taken prisoner? I, I'm just putting it on the table. You know, uh-huh. it's like I'm, I'm, I'm going to leave it up to you. But you I, I've got the sword. You know, it's it's pretty sharp. Did like. you think it through all the way? <laughs> and Stephen is like, well, yes, uh, but only in a general sort of way. You see, see, when I first challenged you, little did I know that you were indeed the Lion of Troy. He's like, no, I'm, I'm just Paris. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> he starts talking all about how awesome and amazing Paris is. And he really hopes that Achilles doesn't ever have to face him because the Greeks would just be totally fucked without Achilles. And he's going on and on like this until finally Paris agrees to take him as a prisoner into Troy. Farewell, Achilles! For today, Paris of Troy has other business. Come, dog. At least I'm not a jackal. (laughs) So yeah, now he's got an excuse for having not killed Achilles when he comes home tonight. There you go. It worked out for everyone. Back in Troy, Vicky slash Cressida has finished having dinner with Priam. You're sure you wouldn't like a little more breast of peacock? No, thank you. I couldn't eat another mouthful. Mmm, peacock. Uh-huh. Yeah, I always like hearing about the different foods that that they get to eat in different time periods. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how much meat is on it. I guess they're, they're, they're a decent size, right? Peacocks? Yeah, it's I would just, imagine seems like you've a, probably got a tail. <laughs> at least a, a chicken to turkey amount of meat. Maybe not turkey, yeah. maybe like a chicken. Yeah. <laughs> As they chat... It comes up that Trojans are really into horses. And Vicky... Uh-huh. Vicky's like, oh, hmm, interesting. And Priam's like, uh, what's up? And she's like... It's nothing. It's just a story I heard a long time ago. Uh, yeah, yeah, we can see where this is going. <laughs> yeah. She says that it's just a legend, but Priam wants to hear it, but she she won't tell the story. She changes the subject instead. Prince Troilus, who was here just now, is he your youngest son? <laughs> uh, why, yes, Cressida. <laughs> Prince Troilus is my son. <laughs> uh-huh. She apparently thought that Troilus was pretty cute, and Priam says that he thinks that Troilus thought that she was pretty cute, too. Uh oh. So we are, yeah, very clearly setting up the HMS Cressilus. Or, you know, the, the Cressida and Troilus ship. Troisida? Troisida. Cressilus, Troisida. I think those both work. They're not, they're not bad. <laughs> and yet, also, neither one is clearly a home run. So, yeah, <laughs> either way. Priam 
is trying to get her to return to the subject of this story or legend that she mentioned, but Paris bursts into the room. <laughs> I've captured a Greek. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, did you did you read your homework assignment carefully there? Uh-huh. It's like, you know, English teacher, I did an essay. Was it about the book you were supposed to read? <laughs> well, it's an essay. <laughs> it was neither about the correct book nor long enough. <laughs> Priam is pretty annoyed both that Paris interrupted him and that Paris brought a prisoner into the palace. But after a bit of grumbling and complaining, he's like, all right, fine, whatever, send him in and I'll question him. I guess I'll give you some extra credit or something. <laughs> you still have to make up the missed assignment, though. Yes. So Paris calls for Stephen using the name that Stephen gave him, which, of course, is Diomede. And as soon as Stephen enters the room, he and Vicky recognize each other and they call out to each other using each other's real actual names, Vicky and Stephen. Dang it, what's the point of having code names, people? <laughs> and Cassandra is like, what did I fucking tell you? Clearly they know each other. Since he's a Greek, what more proof do you need that she's a spy? Kill her! Kill both of them! Well, you know, I mean, all things considered. <laughs> uh huh. That's not, not the worst idea. And from her <laughs> point of view, I, I'm personally rather hoping they don't get killed, but. <laughs> yeah, I understand where she's coming from. <laughs> totally makes sense for Cassandra. Yeah. And, and the words as, appear on the screen. Yep, as the guards draw their swords <laughs> and they move in on Steven and Vicky, the words next episode. Death of a Spy appear on screen. Oh man, nice. Cool. So, you know, the, the plot thickens. It's it's moving along. I think I think this uh, this one's been kind of a, a overall a, a fun little serial here. Mm -hmm. It's interesting because the last historical one that we had 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 kind of a, a sci-fi element to it, where you know with the the meddling monk, we right? Had, or the the time meddler, he had his TARDIS, and that was you know brought along all the extra sci-fi stuff like. I guess a gramophone is not really sci-fi, but he had his, his nuclear cannon or whatever it was, and he was going to blow up the Viking invasion with a, some sort of atomic bomb. Um, but yeah, here we just seem to kind of have, I, I guess, historical times. Yeah, mostly. Again. Like the only the only real sci-fi element is like that they're not hiding the fact that they're from the future. Yeah. Yeah, what, what what did you call this genre of Doctor Who episode earlier? Something like you are in historical times and you meet a historical person or something like that. Yeah, something like that. I can't remember how you put it. You, yeah, I think you put it better than that. And meet some um, historical figures, which they definitely are doing here. Well, yeah. historical or mythological. Yes, yes. Oh, cool. All right. Um, 
that's a uh, that's fun. I'm curious to find out what happens next. I guess uh, there was one thing I was trying to. What was it? There was something. Oh, oh, the. Um, I don't know how much you could see of this in the uh, the reconstruction, but when Vicky is in the uh, kind of the what did you call it? like the wardrobe room or or something of mm-hmm. the TARDIS. Um, like what, what does that look like? Is it just like a, a room with a closet in it or do, do we get some sort of a sci-fi situation? Um, I'm trying to remember what we actually saw there and I'm pretty sure it was mostly just like close up headshots of Vicky. Um, so yeah, I don't think we actually saw much of the room itself, unfortunately. Okay. Because I always figure, you know, with the TARDIS, and it's obviously they're not going to be able to do this in, in 1960, whatever, but with the TARDIS having all its multiple dimensions inside of it and, and uh, bigger on the inside, I always love this idea that there's a wardrobe in there that's some sort of infinite wardrobe, and it, you, know, <laughs> you have your... your um, clothes hanger rack but uh-huh. just it's it's almost like you know how when you go to the dry cleaner they have that thing that like carries your clothes around like it's hanging from the ceiling oh, but it's yeah, like a yeah. conveyor belt type deal just and that just that goes forever, like forever just just bringing you all the the possible outfits that you could want <laughs> um, uh-huh. that'd be fun in I don't no know. particular in background, order you can see more of them like all crisscrossing everywhere uh-huh. like the like 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 the um, turbo lift dimension aboard the <laughs> USS Discovery, right? <laughs> and of course, the the outfits in the wardrobe are not organized or sorted in in any fashion. <laughs> of course, you know you'll have the crinoline dress right next to the spacesuit, which is right next to the nineteen twenties flapper dress. Sure, yeah, yeah, I love it. All right, so uh, did you have anything else you wanted to cover? I don't think I did, um, other than... Well, in that case... Yeah, I think you were about to say what I was also about to say. Uh, alright, uh, I'll, I'll let you say it this time. <laughs> we would like to thank Circuit 23 for the awesome music that he's provided for this podcast. You can hear his music, including this theme at soundcloud.com slash circuit23 and you can also find his new album Mens Vermis at circuit23.bandcamp.com slash album slash mens hyphen vermis there's a link in the show notes <laughs> yep you oh, can also you email him oh, oh sorry okay fine I guess if you if you have to email, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Please please email him and tell him tell him that you love the theme and tell him that you love his music, um, and email him at circuit.23 at gmail.com. And uh, so thank you to Kyle for watching Doctor Who and telling me about it, and thank you to Benny for listening to me talk all about Doctor Who, and thank you listeners for listening to me listening to Kyle talk about Doctor Who. You can always email us at thedoctorswatcher at gmail.com or tweet us at doctorwatcher. Um, we love hearing from our listeners what they thought of our episodes. Uh, you know, let us know if you have a favorite bit. Let us know if you have something hilarious that you want to contribute. Or just be like, you know, hey, I listened to your episode. It was okay. And then we'll be like, all right, cool, thank you. <laughs> we'll be like, cool, that's better than terrible. Yes. Um... 
And yeah, if you like our show, please tell a friend and uh, also rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. We appreciate it. We appreciate you, listener. Indeed, each one of you. And yeah, with that, come back in two weeks to find all about the death of a spy. Yeah. Hope it's not one of our our peeps. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Guess we'll find out. Uh Bye. Bye. You manage to live like this when you're under siege. My nephew Aeneas brings us a little something from time to time. He's in command of our mobile force. Spends most of his time harrying the Greek supply routes with his cavalry. I didn't know cavalry was invented yet. Oh, bless my soul, yes. We are basically horsemen. Our ancestors came from Central Asia, found this strategic position and chose to fortify it. We only need now to beat the Greeks a few score more horses. You seem very fond of horses. Fond of them, I should think we are. We worship them. A Trojan would do anything for a horse.